0: Welcome. You're listening to audio from Life Church in Chico, California. We're so glad that you're here. Life Church's mission is simply to connect people to Jesus. And you can find out more about our mission and who we are on our website at lifechurchchico.org. All right, let's dive into this week's message.
1: Good morning. I'm finally awake. Starbucks, uh, Americano, Ed Shot. After the hotel coffee, I don't know what time it was when I woke up. It was before my alarm. That's wrong. Um, So I just want to say, I think Jeff and Chris are probably sleeping since they didn't have to. Okay. So they're not here, so I can brag on them. and You won't tell, will you? Be our secret. You have great pastors. You have great pastors. Now, I know if... If you've had very many guest speakers, it's sort of traditional for the guest speaker to come and rah, 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 the pastor, because sometimes what I found is people don't appreciate what they have. I remember somebody who left our church and then after I retired, sort of came back and then moved away. And at one point she emailed me and she says, we didn't realize what we had. And uh, that was, was about way more than me as the pastor. It was about what God was doing in, in our body at that time. But I think that can be true. You know, you, Jeff comes up here and, you know, I mean, he's like Mr. Energy. Just... I thought I was pretty energetic until I started to hang around Jeff. I'm like, well, I'm a, just a sloth. <clears throat> but, but it's not just energy, it's passion. And it's passion with Jesus and it's passion for you. And Carissa, I don't even know what to say about Carissa. I mean, I've known her since she was a little girl. And there's this gentleness of spirit, right? This gent- but there's power inside. And I've watched her like as a worship leader over the years. And I've just seen that, that authority and that strength and that confidence. Yeah, you're nodding your heads. Uh, and I just, I'm just, i just wondering, you know, what's yet to come for, for those two and that family? And then um, Michelle... Is my wife right? will you raise your hand because I couldn't do anything without her uh, except for following my face. Um, she and I have known um, your previous pastors, Pastor Fred and Dale, for a long time. Fred was my overseer for a while, and uh, we've spent a lot of time together, so like this church has good roots right it has good it has a good foundation and um and then of course. There's Pastor Chris. What a gift to this body. Not only Chris, but the the team that came with him. And I appreciate what you said. I I want it to be a growing friendship. I just want you to know that I was a little worried after Pastor Chris came because I started getting texts that afternoon. That was amazing. This was great. And I'm like, they don't even want me back now. He hit it out of the park. I mean, one person was just telling me how that just really changed something inside of them. So great job Jesus used. Isn't it wonderful when Jesus uses us? Um, And then there's Bob and Lana. Um, Bob I've known since I won't say how young, um, but for most of his life, best friends with my son. Uh, I have memories of them hiding out in a... um, Outhouse that was in a construction site by our house and in superhero outfits. So if I can dig up those pictures, we'll get them on the screen. <laughs> and then Lana came by from Texas, and she made the mistake of walking by on a Saturday night during worship practice, and I just snagged her, and uh, you could tell. She's a worshiper, Amen. And yeah, we, uh, we just love we love Lana. <clears throat> so uh, she snagged herself this, this time, which I was happy about. So uh, it's, it's pretty serious times right now. Would you agree? Uh, made me think this morning as I was just reflecting a little bit, at the best my brain could work, uh, where Jesus said, "There will be wars and rumors of wars." Now, I'm not going to preach on the end times. I'm probably not who you want to preach on the end times because um, I've just seen so many people miss it that I've decided I'm really not going to take a lot of guesses there. We just need to be ready. Amen? <clears throat> we need to occupy till he comes and be ready. But So what I want to do this morning is encourage you, and if I could be so bold to say this, by the Holy Spirit to impart something into your spirit. Um, something that's just so rooted in scripture, but yet it's so profound that I think, for me at least, I came to Jesus at 20 years old. I'm 135 right now. So, you know, it's been a while. But um, I just really didn't understand this for a long time, even though it was right in front of me in the Bible. So um, there is an error on your on our overhead, as the team has uh let me know. So there's also an error on your handout. So if you could just make that 2 Corinthians 5, 7, say 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I left the one out. And that way, you know, I'm not making this up. Like if I teach from Second Babylonians, you know, I'm making it up. But, but this is a real scripture. And the scripture says this. Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. And then he says, Behold, the new has come. Now, I have to confess, I sort of stole this from Pastor Jeff because we talked a little bit. And he said, Well, this is where I've been in the last few months of teaching. And, uh, and then he mentioned 2 Corinthians 5 17. He did get the address right. And uh, And he said that's kind of what he's been talking about the last few weeks in different approaches. And I tried really hard not to talk on this verse and failed. So we're going to talk on this verse. Is that okay? All right. So I want to give you some context. One of the most important things when you're reading the Bible is context. If you just take one verse, you know, some people can kind of twist it to say things it was never intended to say. So I'm going to read to you the context in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, two, and we're going to, chapter five, rather, and we're going to back up to verse 14. And Paul writes this, he says, for the love of Christ controls us or compels us because we have concluded this. Now, now, little pause here. I believe he's talking to believers here. If you look at the previous context before this, he's talking about the resurrection body and stuff. So is that his, his uh, audience is us believers. He said, we've concluded this, that one has died for all. Who's the one?" I can't hear you. Okay, I got to tell you something. I love to be talked to while I'm talking to you. I even like interruptions. You can throw things if they're soft. I just love to get that feedback. So who's the one that has died for us? Oh, that's good. All right, now we're on it. One has died for all. And then he says, therefore, all have died. We're the all. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, who for their sake died and was raised. We're getting the gospel encapsulated right here. He died for all. Why? So that we might not live for ourselves, but that we might live for him who gave his life for us. That is an incredibly important principle. And then Paul continues and he says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. What he's saying is we don't perceive people Based on who they are outwardly, based on the, just their humanity, right? It, it, from now on, in the kingdom of God, okay, for the people that we're going to find out are these new creations, we don't perceive them just like, oh, well, you know, that's that's where they're from, and that's their that's their attitude, and these are their hangups. we We don't perceive them like that. We're going to perceive them in a spiritual way. He says, we we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. Right? In Jesus' earthly ministry, the people who were learning from him and following him around, they saw this man, this rabbi, who was a miracle worker, an amazing teacher, but they didn't yet know fully that he was the Lord of glory. He was the creator of heaven and earth walking in their midst. So he says, we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, but we no longer regard him that way. That's the massacred version. It really says we regard him thus no longer. <laughs> Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, here's our text, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And then Paul says, all this is from God. That's a really important thing to understand. You can't like make yourself into the new creation by trying. This is God's gift, right? We're saved by grace, by, by grace through faith, right? That's our connection to the eternal. That's our connection to the supernatural, this faith. And then In Ephesians chapter 2 there, Paul says, and that's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Here's a great line, not counting their trespasses against them. Can anybody say Hallelujah for that. Not counting our trespasses against us. What an amazing gift. And entrusting to us, Jesus' followers, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And then the way I read this text, there should almost be quotes right here, like, like we're saying this to other people because we're Christ's ambassadors. We implore you on, Christ, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So when you do church on the street or when you're at work, really the underlying message of our lives should be, I want you to be reconciled to God. Can I show you how to be reconciled to God? Jesus has reconciled us to the Father. Be reconciled to God for our sake, He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, I've invented a version of this text, and I'm calling it the interrupted version because I'm going to interrupt Paul over and over again in this one one verse. So he says, therefore, if anyone, so anyone means... Yeah, it means us, doesn't it? There's no exceptions. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but as a young person, I grew up kind of insecure. I don't know why. <clears throat> it wasn't my folks' fault, but and and so it was easy for me to kind of feel like, well, you know, I'm just not quite there. If I get in a group, somehow I just felt like, well, they all had it together way more than I do. But Jesus erases that, and He says, if anyone, no exceptions, is in Christ. In other words, belonging to Christ, connected to Christ, he or she, amen, is a new creation. What's a new creation? Well, it's something that's essentially different than whatever went before. And then he says the old, in other words, who you used to be, has passed away. That's like as in gone, even as in dead. And then he says, behold. Now, whenever the Bible says behold, it means we're supposed to look. We're supposed to see something that maybe we didn't see before. And so Paul says, behold, the new has come. And the amazing part about that is what he's saying is it's already here. It's already here. You don't have to wait. If you belong to Jesus, if you're in Christ, then the new is here right now. Is that good news? Is that good? I don't know about you, but my old creation was pretty messed up. Um, My uh, late teen to right about 20 years old when I came to Jesus, I I made a lot of wrong turns, a lot of wrong choices. And uh, I've I've contemplated on this and I've come to the conclusion that I can't blame anybody but it for myself. It's like, If my parents had done a bad job raising me, maybe I could say, well, it's their fault. But the reality is it was all my wrong choices. It was all me going after the wrong things. The only benefit of that, well, maybe there's two. It helps me understand people that are really broken and to understand that the gospel is designed for them, right? It's designed for people that have messed up. If you haven't messed up really bad, don't go mess up so that you'll fit in. But but just be glad. Don't mess up any farther. But if you've really messed up, Jesus says, you're just who I'm looking for. Because I'm going I'm to transform you to such a degree that you're going to be a new creation. The old will be gone and the new will be right here. So let's find out just a little bit more about this new person that you are in Christ. Like, how did this come to be? Well, Jesus uh, and, and the Apostle John, in the Gospel of John, give us some great insight. John chapter 1, verses 11 through 13. The Apostle is speaking of Jesus, and he writes, he came to that which was his own, speaking of the Jewish nation, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, those who believed in his name, in other words, who had faith in Christ, he gave the right to become children of God. And then he explains it a little bit more. He says, children born not of natural descent or of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So this new creation, it's not like you're biologically changed, right? The reality is you still have the same body that you had before you were born again, But we're born of God, the the new person inside of us, this this spiritual person, sometimes called the inner man or the inner woman or the inner person. This person is born of God. Now, let's just think for a minute. Uh, Do you have any similarities, traits, things in common with your mom or your dad? You sure do, right? Because you were born of them. So their DNA has combined, and of course, you're now a unique individual, but some people have, you know, their 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 parents' appearance, or they have their parents' traits, or they they've just inherited things that are similar to their parents. Well, if we're born of God, what do you think we inherit? We'll, we'll go there a little bit more in a minute. John 3. Jesus speaking, verses 3 through 6. So Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is one of the few Jewish rulers, leaders, that put his faith in Jesus, but secretly, because it was not a popular thing at all in the first century in Israel to be following Jesus. And so Nicodemus, the Bible tells us, came to Jesus at night, In other words, when no one would see him, to ask him some questions and talk to him. And Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see or perceive or be aware of the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Now, an interesting thing in the text is the word again. One one writer said that John was being intentionally ambiguous. I just like the sound of that intentionally ambiguous because that word again can also mean from above. And I think if I was going to weigh towards a translation I would go towards from above. No one can perceive the kingdom of God unless they're born from above. And Nicodemus asks, you know how they say there's no stupid questions? I kind of think this one might be one. Um he goes, how can someone be born when they are old? Well, that one's not so bad. And then he says, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. He, that, and he's a leader in Israel. But <clears throat> and in heaven I'll probably have a conversation with him about that. <laughs> Rob, I'm sorry, Nick. But now think about it. What's Nicodemus thinking of? The natural or the spiritual? How many vote natural? He's stuck in that mindset. He's stuck in that reality. He's he, so Jesus says you have to be born again, and Nicodemus says, "How can that happen?" And what he's the, the how he's thinking about is how naturally can that happen? And of course, it's absurd. It can't. And so he's stuck. So Jesus clarifies it for him. And he says those words again, very truly, I tell you, when Jesus says that, it's like you're really supposed to listen. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God. Now, he's not talking about just seeing it. He's talking about entering the kingdom of God, unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Now, I don't, I'm not sure about this, but Chris, you could straighten me out later or straighten them out anyway. I'm going to be hard to straighten out, but you can straighten them out. <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm thinking the water is probably water baptism and the spirit is the spiritual birth. That's my best shot at it, okay? No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. And then Jesus tries to take Nicodemus's vision up a little bit. He goes, flesh gives birth to flesh. Humanity gives birth to humanity, but spirit or the Spirit, right, capital S, gives birth to Spirit. That's an important principle. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So from the Gospel of John, we learn two things about this new creation that we are, that we're born of God and that we're born of the Spirit. Now comes the fun part. What is the new you like? Um Last Saturday night, a week ago, I was finishing up my notes for the next morning's message. I know, I should have finished them on Thursday or Friday, but it was Saturday night. I had them all done. <clears throat> I was so excited. They just, they just seemed great. And then um, I like to give handouts like I gave you guys this morning. So uh, it was late. Michelle wanted to go to sleep, and she's my handout slicer and half she's like, she's an expert at it. And um, so I said, well, you know what? I'll do the handouts first and and then I'll print the message. And, oh, I never should have said that. Even though I was trying to be nice, the next thing that happened is my computer just kind of came up with a halfway blank page. And so I said, well, that's okay. I'll just reboot it. And then my computer came up with a blue page that said, your hard drive is not connected. You don't ever want your computer to say that. Had I backed up recently? (laughs) You guys are good. So my computer was born again this week. (laughs) Brand new hard drive with nothing on it, right? No messages, no song files, no, to use good grammar, no nothing. But I thought, you know, in In a sense, we could take that as a picture of what Jesus does. He takes all those files away that were against us. Every mistake, every failure, every stupid thing we've ever done, every, you know, you may have to go apologize to somebody or work out a relationship, but in terms of who you are, your past is gone. And he's giving you a new nature, (laughs) He's he's wiped your hard drive clean. Now, there were some files on there I really wish I still had. And I've heard for hundreds of dollars, I might be able to send it someplace. And then you're like, how much is that really worth to me? (laughs) Jesus has given you a brand new, fresh insides when you come to him. So what is this new creation like? Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, 24, okay, This is one of those passages that if it wasn't in the Bible, I would never presume it to be true. I would never say it because Paul's speaking of the, he speaks of the new self that's created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now I want to tell you something. The old Rob was not created in any kind of true righteousness and holiness. He wasn't living and producing true righteousness and holiness. He was producing unrighteousness and unholiness. And maybe your old you had some of that tendency as well. But the new you, this is God speaking, it's created to be like your heavenly father, right? In true righteousness and holiness. Human beings can't produce that, huh? Could you ever do that on your own? Okay, today I'm going to be truly righteous and holy. And that will last until the first person cuts you off on the road (laughs) and it's gone think about that second peter 1:4 peter uh, weighs in on this too he says he has granted us uh, his very precious very great promises so that through them the promises you might become partakers of the divine nature is that amazing partakers of the very nature of god through the promises well what essentially the promises of god would all be summed up in this gospel right this gospel faith in christ his death and his resurrection. And then Colossians 1, 26 through 27, Paul speaks of the mystery. Now, in the Bible, when it says a mystery, it's not so much something you can't figure out. It's something that's hidden. It's something that God hasn't revealed yet. And so when he reveals it, that's what's being talked about here. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people More literal translation would say, the saints. Did you know you were a saint? I'm Saint Rob. Sounds a little funny, but that's what God says. You know that in the New Testament, maybe once in the epistle written by James, but everywhere else, we're never called sinners after we've come to Christ. Now, we still blow it. Anybody ever blown it since you came to Christ? only three. Come on, come on. We have ushers that will come raise your hands for you. Okay. But he never calls us sinners. Why is that? Because that's not the new creation. He's addressing who he's made us to be, right? He's addressing who we're becoming in him, and he calls us saints. That's amazing. He says to them, these saints, these people of God, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. And now he tells us what the mystery is. It's unveiled. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Wow. And if there's, if there's nothing else you walk away with today, I'd like you to walk away with this. Christ is in you, and that changes everything. It changes your past. It changes your present. It changes your future. Christ is in you, and that changes everything. So there's a really important question, and, and I could spend a lot more time on this, but I can't because you have two services, and if they walk in in the middle of my message, it'll be awkward. But the really important question is this. Who are you going to feed? Are you going to feed the old nature? Or are you going to feed the new nature? Who are you going to nurture? We can feed... Our pride, right we can feed our anger, we can feed our lust, we can feed um we can feed our distrust of other people we can feed the old nature, but what's going to happen it's almost like trying to to resurrect the thing that God has said is dead and gone or we can feed the new nature we can nourish the new nature and then we'll see it grow ephesians four twenty two through twenty four Paul writes, you were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self. So the picture here is, I was going to try and bring some really nasty, dirty, grimy coat, but I didn't have one. So can you imagine? Okay, I just want you to imagine that this thing's got oil and dirt and moss and uh, it it's, hasn't been washed in 24 years, and it stands up by itself, right? So that's what I'm wearing. And God says, I want you to put off the old self. So his, his, his word picture is taking off a garment that needs to be discarded. Put off the old self. And then he says, oh, and he explains, he defines the old self. <laughs> this is not good news for the old self. It's being corrupted by its deceitful desires, In other words, the old Jew is decomposing. You see why feeding that is a lost cause? It's being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And then he says, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. So you've got to think differently. You've got to understand that you're a new creation now. You're not who you used to be. And then he says, here's your garment. Put on the new self. Created, we've read this before, to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I want to tell you a secret. The new self feels way more at home on us than the old. It fits you better. It serves you better. It's the real you. It's the you that before you were born, God intended you to be. Put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. One of the ways that this has been described Is but what Jesus has done for us through the cross and the resurrection is this term, the great exchange. And this is something that happens when we're born from above. At the end of our context that I read, 2 Corinthians 5.21, this amazing verse is in the text. It says, God made him, speaking of Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. That's the great exchange. God made him who knew no sin, to be sin for us, to be a sin offering, to to literally take our sins and shame on himself. Why? So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Now I just want to ask you, is that a good trade? Anybody like that trade? That is the best possible trade in the world. One of the things that's encouraging when you understand this, it makes it easier to witness to people because you realize there is nothing better than the gospel. I've studied studied Eastern religions. Uh, I've spent a lot of time looking at other religions. There's nothing that even comes close to the gospel. Why? Because it doesn't depend on us. We just connect ourselves to God's promises with faith by believing them, and He does this amazing transformation in us. So we could we could phrase the great exchange a little bit like this. He took my past and for me, my past was messed up. And he gave me his past. Hey, guess what? His past was perfect. It was sinless. He took my sins, and he gave me his righteousness. He took my shame, and he gave me his holiness. He took my nature, which was broken, that's kind of an understatement, and he gave me his nature, which is divine. He took my future, which was death, and he gave me his future, which is eternal life. Can you see how the Great Exchange is just an amazing, amazing gift? So I want to leave you, um, gosh, I hope somebody, I hope something gets taken out of your life and something gets put in your life this morning. A while back I was talking with someone and they were being very open about their past life. And at one point they said these words, I am an adulterer. Now they were a believer. They were a follower of Jesus. They were talking about something in their past, and uh, even though it was a very serious and uh, you know significant conversation, I, I had to say, wait, wait, wait a minute! I, I have to interrupt you. I, I'm going to correct you. And they had such a humble spirit. They're like, okay, <laughs> and I said, but you're going to like it. You're going to like this correction. I said, you are not an adulterer. You may have committed adultery, but you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are not an adulterer. And I could feel it hit them because they'd been been carrying that weight on them. They'd been identifying themselves by one of the worst things they'd done in their life. But Jesus paid the price for that. Jesus doesn't want us to carry the junk around that he suffered on the cross for so that we could be set free. So I just want to leave you with this. You, you, you find out where you fit. If none of these things fit you, you're going to probably find something that does and you can do it for yourself. But I just want to declare this over you. You are no longer a drunk because the new creation is sober. You're no longer a thief. You're honest. You're no longer a liar. You're truthful. You're no longer an addict. You're free. You're no longer an adulterer. You're pure. You're not a victim. You're a victor. Scripture says we're more than conquerors. I don't know what that is. More than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Jesus. You're no longer a fool. You're wise. You're no longer unfaithful. You're loyal. You're no longer a disappointment. You're cherished. You know, the scripture says you are God's dearly loved child. You're no longer a glutton. You're disciplined. You're no longer a sluggard. Do you know what a sluggard is? A lazy bones, Right? The new creation is diligent. You're not a sluggard. You're no longer a coward. You're courageous. You're no longer a failure. You're fruitful. And last but not least, you're no longer a sinner. You're a saint. Amen? So as we get ready to sing another song and Pastor Chris comes up to Talk to us for a second. I just want you to turn to a couple of people, because you got to turn both ways. Don't talk to the chairs if no one's there. But I want you just to tell somebody, look them in the eye, tell them you're no longer a sinner, you're a saint, because you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? You're no longer a sinner, you're a saint. Will you tell them that? And worship team, would you guys come on up?
2: It was awkward, but it's good. The truth hurts in good ways. So let's pray. Father, the word that Pastor Rob brought us this morning, Lord, that's your words. And now we're asking you, Lord, as we close, and we close in worship, we're asking that what we heard would actually affect our heart. And that as it affects our heart, it will change the way that we speak. It will change the way that we act. It will change the way that we perceive ourselves. And Lord, we admit that's difficult because it seems like someone took all of our past errors and wrote them with indelible ink, like a Sharpie that can't be erased. But Lord, your blood cleanses everything. It washes everything away. So let's all stand as we close in worship. Lord, we now extend our hearts, our hands to you, and we receive forgiveness. We receive the new life. We choose it by faith, regardless of what we feel like. The the word that has been taught this morning is truth, because your words are truth. Lord, these scriptures are truth. And now, Lord, we receive them. And they become like an anchor to us. We will not be moved, Lord. So we give you permission now, Lord, to transform us. In Jesus' name. All
1: right, now, going to sing this song. Maybe it's going to have a little more context for you after we've just talked about
2: We leave this place with that declaration in our hearts. I am who you say that I am, Lord. Not what I say, not what the world says. We are who you say that we are. And we are dearly beloved children. Help us to leave this place now, Lord, with that confidence, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Go out and have a blessed week. If you'd like some...
0: Thank you for listening today. We hope that this week's message encouraged you. Life Church meets every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. here in Chico, California. You can also listen to us online during our 9 a.m. live stream. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, so please visit our website, LifeChurchChico.org.